Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. I say it all the time and I really mean it, it's a privilege, whether you're online or in person right now, for me to spend this time with you. Truly one of the joys of my life. It's funny too because before COVID, we would be having church in a school gymnasium. And back at the time, it was about 40 degrees outside. We could knock it down to about 36 in the gym. And in the winter, if it was about four degrees outside, we could jack it up to about seven in the gym. And it got me thinking that if you are here for the first time or for the first time in a long time, there's something that you should probably know. Number one, we love you. We are so glad you're here. In fact, if it's your first time here or your second or third time, why don't you take a minute sometime today and just text the keyword hello to 604-670-3040. We have a little gift we'd like to give you just to say, man, thanks for checking us out. It's kind of a bold thing to step into church for the first time or for the first time in a long time. But there's something you should know about like this place, right? Like I'm standing on stage right now and I'm like, I'm, I'm a little chilly. And the reason is because years and years ago, a bunch of us got together and we started dreaming this dream. And we started saving money and giving as generously and as sacrificially as we could because we wanted a place to invite you into. We wanted a place that physically, on a hot day like today, you could come in and be refreshed. And on a cold day like we'll have later on in the winter, you could come in and be warm and be comforted. But spiritually speaking, I guess the same thing is true. We want this place to be a place of comfort, of restoration, of refreshment, of help. So whether you are here right now or watching online, that's my belief, that's my plan for this service. I think this service is actually going to reframe the way that you think about contentment and hope and your role in contentment and hope. We've been looking at the Ten Commandments through the lens of James chapter four, verse eight. James chapter four, verse eight says this. If you draw near to the Lord, the Lord will draw near to you. It's really interesting because I want you to think about something that I think is true of every single human being on the planet right now. I believe for every one of us, deep down inside, we have an idea, or at least an inkling, of what we want our life to be. That we want purpose in a world that can seem kind of aimless sometimes. That we want peace in a world that can seem really chaotic and anxious sometimes. That we want power in a world that can make us feel kind of powerless sometimes. That we want love and grace and mercy. We want to move past our past. We want hope and vision and eternity. But at the same time that it's true that deep down inside we feel like we want those things, there's another part of us that says, I don't think I can pull that off. That's a pretty long shopping list of things that I really, really desire. I don't think I can do that on my own. And that's where James chapter four, verse eight comes in. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you as well. James four, verse eight says, hey, narrow it down to one thing. There's this whole list of things that you want like deep down inside of you. Just do one thing, draw near to God. And then he'll draw near to you and everything else will look after itself. So in other words, here's what I'm saying. These 10 commandments, these are 10 invitations from God to you and to me. God's saying, hey, draw near to me and I'll look after it. I'll draw near to you. And so we're on the eighth commandment. I'm on a massive roll. I've been memorized 
memorizing commandments left, right, and center. You've been blown away, and I don't blame you. Commandment number eight, Exodus 20, verse 15. No stealing. I memorize, thank you, thank you. Whoever started the, thank you. It's a, jerks. No stealing. No stealing, seems real simple. A little more complicated. Just a little bit more complicated than, you know, don't go steal that sour dino from Costco. I don't know why I said sour dino. <sighs> okay, but the Bible from the beginning to the end talks a lot about resources and finances and particularly our attitude and our use of resources and finances. So no stealing is a little bit broader. In fact, I think one of the best summaries of, of God's plan for our resources and our finances is found in Proverbs chapter 10, verse two. It says this, ill-gotten gain. What, what an interesting phrase, ill-gotten gain brings no lasting happiness. Right living does. So in other words, stealing is a little bit broader. It's like ill-gotten gain. So on one hand, like stealing at its most simple form is you walk into a place and you take something that doesn't belong to you. So when I was a teenager, I stole things all the time. My buddies and I, when we were bored and we wanted a little bit of an adrenaline boost, we would just go shoplift things. That's what we would do. Really cool, I know, it's like, wow. And I remember the very last thing that I ever stole was a cassette tape. Back in the day, music used to be on cassette tapes, okay? So I stole the Beastie Boys. I still remember the way the cover looked. License to Ill was the name of the album. And I, thank you, and I almost got caught. I almost got, well I actually did get caught. And then I got myself uncaught and I ran for it. But something inside of me said, that wasn't cool. I don't think I'll do that again. And I remember thinking in all those years where I was stealing a lot of things, I thought, man, like I think the Bible says something about thou shall not steal. So like I wonder if I steal the, the you know, this cassette tape and I'm listening to you gotta fight for your right to party, is it gonna like melt inside of my cassette deck and my car's gonna blow up because I stole it? That never happened. According to Proverbs 10 verse two, that's not really the way it works, right? Ill-gotten gain brings no lasting happiness. Here's what I'm suggesting. That if you live your life trying to gain a life worth living by taking from other people, you will lose by taking from others, you will lose what you wanted to gain the most. If you live your life, like deep down inside, wanting to gain a life worth living by taking from other people, what you're gonna find is that by taking from other people, deep down inside of yourself, you will find yourself moving away from that life that you want to live. Moving away from contentment, moving away from joy, moving away from gratitude, moving away from the life that we want. Ill-gotten gain. So yes, it's stealing a Beastie Boys cassette. But, but there's other things too. Lying for financial gain is stealing. When I was 14 years old, I got a job as a gas jockey at the South Hill Fast Gas in Red Deer, Alberta. I love that job. For those of you who don't know what a gas jockey is, again, let me explain, okay? So back in the day, if you were in Red Deer, Alberta, and you needed to fill your tank up with gas, you would drive into South Hill Fast Gas. On your way to the pumps, you would go over like this air hose, and it would make this noise, okay? And then I, if I wasn't paying attention, I would hear that noise, and I would come jogging out to your car. 
And I would say something like this. Hey, how are you? Fill her up. And quite often you would say, yep. So I'd start pumping your gas, and then I would come over to your window again, and I would say, can I check your oil? And if you said yes, you would pop the hood. I would go in. I would check your oil. If you needed a liter, I would say, do you want a liter of oil? And you would say yes, probably. And I would take a funnel and put some engine oil in your motor. I would wash all your windows. When I was done with that, you might say to me, hey, can you grab me a crispy Crunch and a Coke? So I would run back to the shack. I would grab you a crispy Crunch and a Coke. If you were paid by cash, I had change. If you paid by credit card, I had like this massive machine that I would bring out, like this big swoop back and forth machine that I would process your credit card payment. And then you would drive away. Oil in your engine, gas in your tank, junk food on the way to your stomach, and clean windows. And, it, and you never got out of your car. And it makes me laugh because boomers sometimes say, millennials are so lazy. I don't know, man, you never got out of your car once. I was a good gas jockey, though. I was good. I liked it. But once a year, Fast Gas would have this contest for all the gas jockeys in Alberta. And the contest was whoever sold the most oil for that month would get like $150 or something added to their paycheck. And all three years that I was a gas jockey at Fast Gas, I won the contest. And I won it by lying. Okay? So here's what I would do. You would drive in and, 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 and get gas, and I would say, can I check your oil? And if you said yes... Uh, you pop the hood, I would go in, and if you needed oil, I would tell you right away. If you did not need oil, I would take your dipstick, I have paper towel in this hand, dipstick in this hand, and I would pull it until it looked like you did need oil. And I would walk over and go, you need oil, and do you want me to get you a liter? And you would say yes, and I would take the funnel, and I would pour like a little bit of oil into your, into your th and then I would throw the rest away. That, just so we know, that's stealing. That is stealing. Lying for financial gain. I think advertisers in our culture really walk a fine line towards lying. Beer commercials always make me laugh. You watch some beer commercials and it's as if they're just about telling you, if you drink this beer, I'll tell you one thing right now, you'll be great at beach volleyball. You'll be ripped. You'll be popular and you'll be incredibly attractive. And at the end of the day, after playing a lot of beach volleyball and drinking a lot of beer and just being attractive, you with six-pack abs and being popular, you'll sit around a fire and still have the intellectual capacity to have hard-hitting, deep, profound conversations about the meaning of life. Which is so weird to me, because in my life I've known a lot of people who really, really like to drink beer. And not one of them, of all that I've met, has ever been good at beach volleyball. None of them have had six-pack abs, and I don't remember having many profound conversations with them either. In fact, about as profound as it often got with them is them starting out by saying, pull my finger. And now, you know, and it kind of went from there. Thank you. Lying for financial gain. So it might be something like this. You get a full-time job. A full-time job insinuates that you work how many hours a week? 40. 40. Eight and a half is a little, that, that's kind of my point, right? So, so you say, hey, I got a full-time job. I'm, I'm, I'm blowing through like 31 and a half hours a week. I do nothing. I work for eight and a half hours. That's lying. That's lying. You should probably work 40 if you have a full-time job. Or you say to somebody, you do a job for them, and you say, hey, would you pay me cash? And why do you say that? 
Pay me cash so that someday soon I can lie to the government and tell them that I made less money than I made so I don't have to pay taxes. A few years ago, I bought a used car from a guy in Vancouver, so we met in Coquitlam. And I really liked his car. I said, I'll take it. So together we went to an insurance uh, branch or whatever, just off the Lowheed Highway. And we're filling out the transfer papers. <clears throat> and, and the guy behind the counter gets to this point and he says, what do you want me to put in this blank? I'm like, what does the blank say? He says, purchase price. I said, I already told you the purchase price. He said, yeah, I know, what do you want me to write? I'm like, I don't understand. Like, uh, and then the guy that I'm buying it from says, Hey, Mike, I know you're a pastor, so let me, let me kind of fill you in. Okay, so whatever, whatever he writes in that blank, you're going to have to pay 12% tax on. So just tell him you want, what you want him to write. I said, I, you know what I think we should do? Like, it's this purchase price. I don't, I, I'm crazy. I, I think we should just probably write down the purchase price. And they're both like, right. So they wrote it down, and we kind of finished the whole transfer. I get the new plates on. And, and, and a buddy comes to pick this guy up, the guy who sold me the car. And just before he leaves, he said, can I just ask you one question? He said, I really just have to know. Why, why did you write down the full purchase price? Like, I know you're a pastor or anything, but it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and I wasn't sure how to answer him. And just that moment, an ambulance drove by on the Lowheed Highway. And I said, that's why. So what do you mean? I said, well, one day, my wife might need an ambulance. Or one of my sons or one of my daughters. And here's what I thought. I thought I wanted to do my part to make sure they had one. So there's all kinds of stealing. There's all kind of uh, ill-gotten gain. Lying for financial gain is stealing. Bullying behavior for financial gain is also stealing. Okay, James chapter 5 says it this way. Look. The wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. So you're a boss, right? Your employee's supposed to be working 40. She's working eight and a half. So you're a little grumpy because of that. But additionally, you know that the people who work for you actually deserve more money. But for some reason, you know that they can't really do anything about it. So you just don't pay them what they're worth. That's stealing. You know, there's contractors in our region here who are quite well known. They call themselves Christ followers. And they're quite well known for doing big projects and then deciding, I'm not going to pay the subcontractors in this project. And why do they do it? They do it because the subcontractors can't do anything about it. What are you going to do? Take me to court? The contractor has such deep pockets that the subcontractor knows it's not worth it. That's stealing. Negotiating for the win-lose is stealing. A few years ago, when we were dreaming of this place, I said to, said to a friend of mine who is a successful business person, a body and self-sider, I said, man, I hope we can get a great deal on a piece of land for the church one day. He says, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what do you mean what I mean? A good deal, you know? I'm not talking about the theory of relativity here or the existential struggle for meaning or how they get the creamy caramel inside the caramel bar. I'm just like, what? A good deal. He says, well, he said, I'm with you if what you mean is we find someone who wants to sell a piece of land, we negotiate a price, and we both walk away happy. That's a good deal. 
He said, but if what you mean is that we find somebody in a real tough situation and we pay them something for their land that we know is way less than it's worth, that's not a good deal. In fact, that's stealing. Negotiation is part of life. But as a Christ follower, let me be very clear. What we don't do is rip somebody off and and then walk away going, thank you, Jesus, for that great deal. What do we negotiate for? We negotiate for the win-win. The win-win. The win-win. Not the win-lose. Borrowing something and not, not paying it back is stealing. You lent her some money, and now you need it back. She's ghosting you. You cannot get a hold of her. But you see her on social media, and she's living an amazing life. Buying all sorts of cool stuff, going on all sorts of vacations. If you borrow something, you don't pay it back. That's stealing. The misappropriation of funds is stealing. That's a real fancy way of just saying this. You have a role or responsibility to give money to a certain place, and you don't do it. For example, a father. Who knows that it's his role to support his kids. Food, clothing, shelter, you know. But for whatever reason, he decides that he's going to take that money and divert it in some way to himself. That's stealing. And the problem with stealing is that ill-gotten gain brings no lasting happiness. Counterintuitively, when you live your life looking to gain a life worth living by taking from other people, what you find is that by taking from others, you lose the very thing that you most wanted to gain. See, stealing actually, as it turns out, is a faith issue. One of the Hebrew words for God is the word jireh. What it means is, the Lord will provide. Stealing says, oh no, he won't. I need to look after me in whatever way that I need to look after me. Ill-gotten gain brings no lasting happiness, but right living does. But right living does. It's an interesting phrase, right living, right living. One of the first mentions that you'll find in the Bible about right living is, is in the story of a guy named Abraham. So Abraham is living the life, he's living in Ur of the Chaldeans of all places. I've never been there, okay? So, so I don't know where it is. So, so he's there, and, and his family is really, really wealthy, they're doing really well, and God shows up and says to Abraham, I want you to leave all of this behind, and I want you to set off to a far off distant country, Abraham. Why? Because I'm gonna build a great nation out of you, Abraham. And all the nations on the planet are gonna be blessed by you. And what did Abraham decide to do? He did it. He trusted God. And it was credited to him as righteousness, right living. Trusting God is right living. So ill-gotten gain brings no lasting happiness. What does? Right living. Trusting God. So in this confusing, tough grind of finances and resource, how do we trust God? I think there's four steps that we can take. Number one, work hard. Work hard. The Bible talks about the value of hard work. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the fourth commandment says, take a rest. And here inferred in the eighth commandment is the other side of the coin. The eighth commandment says, earn it. Take a rest. Why? Earn it. Earn your rest. Work hard. It's amazing because there's people in our world who put a lot of effort into making sure they never have to work hard. 
So much so that I would suggest to you that if they put as much effort into working hard as they do to avoid hard work, they would probably be doing really, really well. This kind of twigged on me in my senior year of university. And it was not a spiritual epiphany. It was about a girl. I was engaged to Corinne. And I looked at Corinne one day and I thought to myself, she's amazing. She's just amazing. What does she deserve? She deserves the best. Well, she stuck with me. So at the very least, she deserves my best. And I honestly made a decision in that moment that I was just going to do my best. For the first time in my life, instead of cruising through school, I decided to do my very best in my classes. Do my very best in my part-time job. Just do my best. And even though it didn't start out as a spiritual epiphany, it sure ended that way. Because I found the joy of getting to the end of the day and knowing, hey, you know what? I made today my masterpiece. Not perfect, but I made today my masterpiece. Hard work is God's first plan. Second plan, believe it or not, is save and invest. Save and invest. In other words, don't live right to, the lo- right to the limit of your paycheck every week, every month, every year. Have a little bit of margin, save it, and invest it. This is crazy. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 2. This is centuries before the stock market. Centuries. Invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You don't know what disaster might come upon the land. God is already preaching diversification. It requires patience though, right? It's not a quick fix, but just make every day your masterpiece. And here's what you're gonna do. Make today my masterpiece, and then tomorrow, masterpiece after masterpiece after masterpiece after masterpiece, and eventually, the years will go by, the months will go by, the decades will go by, and you'll build something beautiful. God's plan, number one, work hard. Number two, uh, save and invest. And number three, pray. Pray. Luke eleven thirteen. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. I love that. Because sometimes we're, I don't know, we're a little weird in the head about finances. And maybe you want something. But you're just kind of embarrassed that you want it. Like, oh, I really want a super soaker so that I can soak my, what? no, that's a dumb example. But I really want this item. God knows you want it. Don't come to God pretending to be somebody. Come to God as you. He loves you exactly where you're at. Be direct. Tell him exactly where you're at. Tell him exactly what you want. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your little boy asks for a serving of fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own kids. And don't you think the father who conceived you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him? I'm going to tell you something crazy, and I want to make sure you hear me, because this is a controversial statement I'm about to make. Listen real carefully. Every sincere prayer you pray, God will answer with a miracle. Every sincere prayer you pray, God will answer with a miracle. Sometimes the miracle will be that he will utterly and completely change your circumstances. You pray for a Lamborghini and one shows up in your driveway. I'm not denying it. If you pray for it and it happens, I'd love to take a drive. Okay, let's just keep that off to the side for a second, okay? That's what we normally refer to as a miracle. 
Sometimes, God doesn't change your circumstances, he changes you. When you come to him sincerely and real, Psalm 37 verse four says it this way, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. He's gonna begin to change your heart because sometimes the things that I thought I wanted, I didn't really want. Sometimes the things that I thought I needed so badly, I didn't really need and God begins to, either he changes my circumstances or begins to change me. And believe it or not, that might just be the bigger miracle. So four steps towards right living according to God's plan. Number one, work hard. Number two, save and invest. Number three, pray. And number four, generosity. Generosity. Proverbs 11, 24 to 25. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. So for me, this comes pretty easy. I was raised by very, very generous parents. I know I joke often about being Dutch, you know? I would say wooden shoes, wooden head, wouldn't listen, right? And I know sometimes people say, well, about Dutch people, they're cheap. M my parents weren't. My parents aren't. So I was really got a head start in this because I was raised by really generous parents. I remember when I was, what, 15 years old. Now keep in mind, when I'm 15 years old, I've been a gas jockey for a couple years, right? And, and you notice when you first get a part-time job, your first paycheck, it's just like free money. This is crazy, look at all this money. It's like $172, what am I gonna do with all of it? And then after a couple years of working part-time jobs, you're like, what a grind. It's so hard to make money. So I had already kind of got a concept of the value of money, and my dad said to me one day, I wanna go buy a horse trailer. You need to come with me. So I did, and we looked at a a couple horse trailers, and then we went to a ranch. See, this rancher had died, and his widow was selling all his horse stuff off. And my dad took a look at the horse trailer that she was selling, and it was the best one that we had looked at that day. And he said, I'll take it. And she looked at him, and she said, I don't really even know what a horse trailer is worth. Would you pay me blank for it? And when she said the amount, I was like, oh boy. It was way, way less than what it was worth, way less. And I had two thoughts simultaneously. 15-year-old Mike. Thought number one, I felt sorry for her. Her husband had died and she didn't really have a clue what she was doing trying to sell this stuff off. Second thought, we're about to get a good deal. This is awesome. So I'm standing behind my, my dad and he pulls out his checkbook. I already explained gas jockey, I'm not explaining checkbook. Okay, Google it. So he's, I, I, I watch him writing the check and he doesn't write the check for what she asked for. He writes the check for, I'm guessing, just a little bit more than a horse trailer was worth. And then he handed it to her. And I remember driving away. And even at 15 years old, I felt proud that that was my dad. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. Now I was thinking the other day, like, and, and, and maybe the comments over the next few minutes will be mainly directed to Christ's followers. You know, whether you've been a Christian for a day or a decade or however long. Have you ever wondered, like, when you became a Christian, why didn't God just bonk you over the head and drag you to heaven? When you became a Christian, why didn't God just bonk you over the head and drag you, 
what are you doing here? See, see, I would suggest to you that we are here for that woman. Like, I would suggest further that if we are not here for her, who are we here for? What in the world are we doing if we're not here for her? <laughs> like, if, if we're not here for the widows and the orphans and the hurt and the broken and the desperate and the lost and the lonely, lonely and the needy, what in the world would we be doing here? Ephesians 4, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So a few years ago, I took a team of young men, 16, 17, 18 year olds, down to Las Vegas for a basketball tournament. The Adidas Super 64. Tough tournament. And we did way, way better than we thought we were gonna do. I remember one particular afternoon, we won a game that we did not think we were gonna win. And we're driving back to our resort. Now keep in mind, this is 16, 17, 18 year old kids. So the resort that we're staying at in Vegas is way, 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 way on the outskirts in the quiet part of Vegas. You understand what I'm saying? And so we're driving on our way back to the resort and, and one of the kids says, hey coach. I'm like, yeah. He's like, are you proud of us? What do you mean? Well, we won that game. Are you proud? I'm like, I told you. I talked to you for 20 minutes after the game. I'm so proud of you guys. You did a great job. Way to go. He's like, yeah, cool. So are you so proud of us that you're going to take us to In-N-Out Burger for supper tonight? (laughs) You don't really have to ask me twice to go In-N-Out Burger. So I'm like, I am. I am. Let's do it. So we get back to the resort. All the guys, uh, they shower and they jump back in the van. We go to In-N-Out Burger, then we stopped at New York, New York, so they could ride the roller coaster. And we're driving on our way out of town. On Las Vegas Boulevard. And I don't know if you've ever been on Las Vegas Boulevard, but when the light turns red, you wait for a long time, because there's just this sea of humanity that begins crossing. And so as we stopped, I looked beside me on the median, and there was a woman there, and she was begging for money. She seemed kind of old to me. But when I look closer, it, it, it feels to me like her face looked old, but her eyes still looked young. Like her face looked old through hard life and hard living. Do you know what I mean? As I looked over, I felt like God tapped me on the shoulder and he said, give her all the money in your wallet. And I know, by the way, I know all the, thing, the reasons why that's not always a good idea, but in that moment, I felt like God said, give her the money in your wallet. And you know what? I had 20 bucks in my wallet. So I took out my wallet and I handed her the 20 bucks. And the kid sitting right behind me opened up his window and all the other guys in the van started passing him money and he gave her a bunch of money. And she looked at me and she said, where are you guys from? And I said, oh, we're from a place that you've definitely never heard of. I said, we're from Chilliwack, British Columbia. She said, Chilliwack, I've heard of it. I was like, what? She said, I'm from Abbotsford. And then she started going through a bunch of landmarks in our area. And she told me the high school that she graduated from. And I looked at the woman with the old face and the young eyes. Everyone in the van was quiet. She's quiet. And then the light turned green and I didn't move. 
I'm, I'm looking at her, this woman with an old face and young eyes. And then the guy behind me honks and she says, God bless you, and I say, God bless you, and we drive away. 15 minute drive to the resort and not a kid in the van says a word. See, I don't know exactly what they were thinking, but I think I can guess. I think they were thinking, she's from Abbotsford. That could be my mom. That could be my sister. That could be my friend. That could be me. And I think about that moment a lot, you know, because I think to myself, why in the world didn't God just conk me on the head and drag me to heaven when I became a Christian? I think it's for that. Like, I think I'm here for her because if I'm not here for the woman with the old face and the young eyes standing on Las Vegas Boulevard, what in the world am I doing here? You say, well, Mike, that's a really extreme example. I'm not so sure. One of my best friends, George Franco, texted me last night. He said, please pray one of my drivers, a 15-year-old young man, stepped in front of his truck and committed suicide last night. I just remember that woman with the old face and the young eyes, and I think, look around, you guys. Look around. Look around this city. Look around your family. Look around at your friends, and there are people who are in desperate straits. You just maybe never know it. There's broken people, there's hurting people, there's lost people, there's lonely people. And here's what's crazy. They really, really, really matter. God loves her. Jesus died for her. And if I'm not here for her, what in the world am I doing here? The world of the generous just keeps getting larger. God, open my eyes, open my eyes, open my eyes. See, I don't think God placed me on this planet to be a sponge that just absorbs and absorbs and absorbs and absorbs. I think he placed me on this planet to be a faucet that pours out. And here's the crazy thing, I was thinking about a faucet. There's always more. See, I think we have a God who is the God of there is plenty more where that came from. ill-gotten gain brings no lasting happiness. But counterintuitively, when I spend my life looking to gain a life worth living by giving to others, I find what I've been looking for all along. See, generosity is the opposite of stealing. Stealing is taking something that belongs to someone else. Generosity is giving something that belongs to you to someone else. That's why we're here, you guys. Online, in person, that's why we're here. What a privilege, what an honor, what a mission. So for Corinne and I, we just made the decision so many years ago that we're just gonna try to be generous people. And we start by giving to the church. This is a church that we make no bones about it. We're here to bring help, hope, and home to the city and to this world. That's why we exist. That's why we're here. Help, hope, and home to the city and to this world. Three weeks ago, we had a lady come into one of our services. She wasn't gonna tell anybody, but on her way out, she decided she needed to. She's addicted. 
She's on the road to South Las Vegas Boulevard. She said, I need help. We are connected with one of our partners. She's in recovery, and at recovery, she has joined a Bible study. That happens every week. Last week, maybe, yeah, last week, we had a woman come in with the kids. She's in an abusive relationship and didn't think there was any way out. She approached us, she said, could you help me? We said, we can. We got her out of there. We helped with food and shelter, and now we've been uh, setting her up with opportunities to get job and get work. I think, that's, I, I think that's why we're here. We're here to bring help, hope, and home. So I don't know where you're at with giving. Here's the great thing about giving. If you're a Christian and you never give anything, you're still going to heaven. Isn't that awesome? Like that's, that's the message of the, you don't got to give. You don't got to give. You get to. Man, I, I, I can't think of living a life that's not generous. I just can't imagine it. And what's crazy is about, they call it tithing in the Bible, like when you bring your first tenth to the church. What, what I found is like, what, what, you, what logic might tell you is I say to you, hey, you're, let's say you're tithing and I come to you and I say, hey, can you help me out? You might say, I already gave at the office. I give to the church, I can't give to anybody else. You know what I found? The opposite's true. That when you tithe, God says, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna unlock this whole weird finance thing in our world for you. This whole grind, this whole, I can't find contentment, I can't find generosity, I worry about it all the time. God lifts it. And I become the person that I really, really, really wanna be. So for Corinne and I, what we found is that we just have a passion to try to be frugal with ourselves so that we can be generous with others. And if that means tipping the person who cuts my hair, I don't know why I would, but let's just say they do a good job. Or the person who, the person who serves a meal or supporting some kids at the Haiti Free School, we try to do that. Jesus said it this way, give, hey, you don't got to. Isn't that awesome? You don't got to. Jesus says you get to though. Give and it'll be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So what do we find? Contentment. In a world where if you ask almost anybody, hey, how much money do you need? What's the answer? Everyone's answer is almost the same. What? Just a little bit, just a little more. We found contentment. We found gratitude. We found joy. He's Jaira. The Lord will provide. The Lord has provided. And he created me, and I'm here on this planet, not to be a sponge, but to be a faucet, to pour out. Let's pray. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. And I don't, I don't know exactly where you're at. I don't know what's going on inside of your heart, inside of your life. But I just do know this. We, talk, we can talk all we want about generosity, but can I just say one thing? That the most generous person who has ever leave, lived is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That God so loved the world, John 3.16 says, that he gave, he gave, he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's it. That's the beginning that unlocks everything in my life. All the peace, all the hope, all the strength, all the generosity starts there by saying, God, you sent your son. Thank you for the free gift. I accept it. 
So right now, if you've never done that, whether you're online or in person right now, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if today is the day you wanna say, God, I accept it, I want you to change me and you change me to change my family, change my marriage, change this world. With heads bowed, eyes closed. You wanna just raise your hand right now, nice and high, so I can pray for you? That's amazing, amazing, amazing. If you're online, wherever you're watching, by the way, you can raise your hand wherever you are. That's great, you can put your hands down, awesome. If you just raise your hand, I'm gonna pray out loud and I just invite you to pray silently along with me as I pray out loud. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that we get to follow in the footsteps of a generous father. And Jesus, thank you that you came and that you died and you rose again for me. Today, Jesus, I just ask that you would forgive my sins and move me past my past. And that you would give me the strength to follow you one next step at a time into the life that I was born to live today, tomorrow, and forever. I pray all this in your name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate, church? That's amazing, amazing. So proud of you. If you, if you just raised your hand, whether you're online or in person, just do me one quick favor. Sometime today, just text the keyword life, L-I-F-E, to that same number, 604-670-3040. Um, we're gonna send you some resources and just some ways that we can connect with you, just to walk with you. And one last thing, I don't know where you're at with the giving journey, I don't. You don't got to, but you get to, if you want. So if you're not somebody right now that has started giving yet at Southside, or maybe it's been a while and you wanna step up and be a part of bringing help, hope, and home to this world, you can text that same number. I'm not saying it again, I'm sick of saying that same number over and over again. Text the keyword give, give. Let's get this party started, let's go, let's change the world, what do you say? So I asked the, yeah, you know what? We can celebrate that. Let's go. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.